0: This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrialcom PodChock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch now in the iTunes App Store.
1: Your train awaits my lady.
2: Wonderful.
1: The baggage car. But thanks for lying. The real wonderful is through here. There were many trains to take the name Orient Express, but only one. In space.
2: <laughs> oh, of course it is
1: completely faithful recreation of the original Orient Express, except slightly bigger, and in space. Oh, and the rails are actually hyperspace ribbons, but in every other respect, identical, painstaking attention to detail, most of the time.
3: I'm
2: out of control, about to Do what? The smile. Yeah,
1: I'm smiling. Yeah, the sad smile. It's a smile, but you're sad. It's confusing. It's like two emotions at once. It's like you're malfunctioning. Sorry. I just thought that this would be a good one,
2: too. end it? Yeah. It is. It's a good choice. A good one to end up. Yeah? Mm-hmm.
0: Live from the baggage car of the Orient Depressed, it's Doctor Who, Pachak. <music> the Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who, Pachak. Episode three fourteen. Yes, that's the correct number this time. Three fourteen. This is Lewis Trapani, and joining me on this podcast is one and only
4: Dave A. C. Cooper. Hey, Dave. Uh, hang on, I'm just playing with this bubble wrap. Oh, hi, uh, hi, Lewis. <laughs> I, I hope um, <laughs> I hope you're wrapped tightly in your sarc-
0: sarcophagus.
4: <laughs> Indeed, I am. Yes, uh, got my uh, bandages off, but ready to go. Very good, very good.
0: So I, um, you know, last I, I don't know what's been going on the last couple of weeks. I've been getting like the numbers wrong on our on our live show. You know what? Because. I, you know, the week long, I'm, I'm editing and getting out the episode from the, li- the last live show, so I have that number on my brain. So I realized um, last live show, I, I said, um, I think on the live recording, I said 3.12, and then in editing, I had to insert, no, you dummy, it's 3.13. So, um, But I made sure today we got the right number. That's why I I, I tagged uh, the, the number, as I did in this episode, that it's the correct one. What number. was it? 66, then, is it today? <laughs> it's, it should be 66. Yeah, it's, a, it's an odd number there, they, um, but I guess they had to choose some number. Is there, um, well, obviously, as we, um, you know, as the pre-clip demonstrated, illustrated, we're going to be reviewing the, the latest episode as we record this, Mummy on the Orient Express, but before we do, um, is there any news? Any, I don't think there's anything major to report. Um, I know sometimes, Dave, you keep track of the of the overnight numbers. I don't know how well this episode did or, or last week's.
4: Yeah, I mean, most people can find them fairly simple going to um, the, um, the uh, First of all, the Kill the Moon ratings from uh, last week, the final ratings are in at 9.61 million. That's the UK one. Uh, by the way, that we're giving the figures mm-hmm. for. Um, but the final chart position uh, isn't available yet, but should be available later in the week. And um, the Mummy on and Tech Express overnight viewing figures were uh, 5.08 million viewers, going down by one viewer per second, by a minute, rather. Uh, but uh, just over the 5 million. Now, if you remember, the last couple of weeks, it's just been under the 5 million mark. Uh, which some people have been a little bit concerned with. But this is, of course, is because, I think, anyway, uh, Dot Who is going up against two uh, live events here in the UK. There's the uh, Strictly Come Dancing on BBC One and then there's the x Factor on the other. Now, both these are sort of what you might call the event television, which, if you are going to... If there are two or three things that you want to watch tonight, a night, it's easier to sort of uh, locally record... Dot two. Even though you're keen as anything to watch it, keen as mustard, it's sometimes easier to watch that because uh, there may be members in your family that, that, that to want to watch a live event. That you know, when when, when the voting's on, uh, you don't want to hear about it later. You want to actually see these people get through these various, uh, you know, dancing events and what have you. So I think for that point, uh, dot two uh, gets. Uh, put on the recorder basis. The other thing is as well, I think people, the, the, the live events are basically throw away one event. Once you've had the excitement of seeing who's gone through, you're waiting for next week. Well, with Dot 2 there'll be a lot of people that uh, want it recorded because they want to probably watch it two or three times because there's so much content, so many throw away lines in these episodes that they do that. And of course, the other thing is as well, uh, the ubiquitous uh, BBC um, iPlayer now which is uh, unbelievable in terms of its impact on UK viewing at least um, so I think an awful lot of people, certainly uh, a good two million will catch it on that uh, and by the way because I was doing some clips of that it was available on the BBC iPlayer within three or four minutes of the actual episode ending so um, it really is a good source Anyway, um, it got 22.1% share of the audience. But top of the chart, and just to underline what I've just said, when I said it's 5.08 million for Dot 2, uh, the Strictly Come Down Scene figures had over 8.8.5 million, 8.65 million viewers, where the X Factor on ITV had just under 8 million, at 7.55 million. Uh, And this, of course, was the latest airing of Dot 2 ever, started the broadcast at 8.37pm. And this is, again, because we're on early doors with the um, Strictly Come Dancing. They've only had one dancer knocked out, so there's 14 dances, uh, and the programme's running over two hours. So as that runs down towards Christmas, uh, the show, although they they put added features in with the professionals dancing, it will probably drop down to a a a one-and-a-half-hour show uh, so Doctor Who should be coming back towards an earlier start time of 8 o'clock, maybe 7.55, 7.50 as we get nearer towards Christmas. But as you quite rightly said, unbelievably, this is episode 8. We know there are 13, but only 12, uh, with the 13th actually being the Christmas episode this week. So yeah, yeah, Those so. are the only two news items I was going to cover.
0: Well, it's, you know, it's weird because, you know, there's so many BBC... Channels, you know, as opposed to here in the states, when you're up against another, it's usually if a show is competing with another show, it's another network. But now it's like it's inbreeding competition between other BBC shows that are airing on the time same time slot.
4: But I think think that's one of the things about the BBC; it has this remit um, to provide entertainment across the board. So the fact that two of its biggest shows are on at the same time are. Uh, you know, back to back. I mean, you could argue, well, that's to catch the viewers from one to the other. But uh, you know, it's, uh, they quite often have. Um, in fact, tonight here on the TV, um, there's um, there's some brilliant programmes on BBC One and Two at the same time. But one's a live events the uh, the follow-up to the Strictly Come Dancing. The other are all wildlife programmes about the wonders of the monsoon and and great. Uh, Rivers and, and some absolutely fab- fabulous shows that are on. Um, so the, the thing that drives the BBC is slightly different than maybe many other channels. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, at least the BBC gives opportunity to catch it in other, in other um, mediums. You know, there's the the iPlayer and um, they they don't they they rerun it also on um, BBC
4: Three. Shortly after, not or was it another channel? Yeah, uh, yeah. Doctor Who will be on BBC uh, on Monday night, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that. So, yeah, I know my brother-in-law. Actually, um, he, he he sometimes. I, I hope I don't offend him by saying this, but sometimes he doesn't catch all the words. So, but he doesn't like having the the subtitles on the screen because he wants to because it's a. I mean, we'll get into the show in a minute, but it was a lavish performance. You actually want to see it look yeah. really nice. Yeah. But he tends to watch it without subtitles on on Saturday. And then on Monday, so he knows what the heck was going on, <laughs> he watches it on BBC Three with the subtitles on screen. Well, that, that, that's going to bring me out to,
0: to my next point. Yeah, I, <clears throat> anytime I'm watching it, I, I don't watch it the, um, with the subtitles, but I may, I may turn it on, on on another viewing, if there's like a word that I I can't catch, and it's it's usually not <laughs> as um you know despite articles saying otherwise, it's it's usually not um, Peter Capaldi that I, I have issues with. It's, it's usually maybe a supporting cast member, or it's a term like I asked you last week about Alcopops, which. I just I didn't I heard it but I would never heard it before so I had no idea what they were talking about and uh, you know when you joined the show that's when I asked you what you know what was that I mispronounced it but I said what what, what was alcopops and you explained it that it was you know like alcohol like um, soda pop you know with alcoholic content in it yeah so
4: and I, I believe on Twitter was it Kai or somebody you, who also. Explained about the white light. Yeah, it was. Um, I didn't realize
0: that. that I so think that it was Rick, cider. Rick, Rick B. Walsh um, had chimed in on cider about white lightning is um, cheap, nasty cider. To quote what he, um, how he described it. So, um, so now I know what white lightning is. And I also need to make a um, a correction. And you know, now after I made the clarification about that, to make a correction about what I had um, mentioned last episode last week was. Um, I I was getting I was getting confused and I shouldn't as a David Bowie fan I shouldn't <laughs> I shouldn't be confused but um, something sometimes these happen when when you get snow on the roof as I do now um, <laughs> well it turns out that um, I was confusing white lightning with um, David Bowie did a, a cover song uh, called white white light white heat and it was a it it, it was a um, Velvet Underground song which he had covered and it got a lot of traction and I think that's what I was thinking of when, because last week I made a re- reference that he did a song called White Lightning which I thought was a, oh now I've lost the, the, the um, a cover of um, oh my I just lost his name <laughs> I'll get back to you on that um, anyway so it wasn't that oddly enough there is a group called White Lightning that did a David Bowie cover of um, Space Oddity so <laughs> it's all it's all comes around. Iggy Pop. Steve. Steve just. I just. It just came to me the name Iggy Pop. And just as Steve put it in the chat, we both. Um, it both popped into our minds. Well, he popped into his mind sooner because
4: he had to type it. Yes, Iggy Alcapop, no doubt. But it was uh, it, <laughs> yes, Alcapop. Uh, Rick B. Walsh. Uh, <laughs> oh, on and the
0: Twitter let me just I'm just going to fire up my email because I think I got um, an email um, something else that I wanted to mention on the show for today and I meant to do this earlier I see I knew I was forgetting something
4: it's live folks
0: it's live so but while I'm doing that um, as always during you know right before we do a live show we've got to warn people about spoilers spoilers
2: Spoilers. Again. Spoilers. 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 Spoilers.
0: That's right. We're going to be talking about car accessories starting with spoilers.
3: Spoilers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, so we are going to be reviewing Mummy on the Orient um, Express today. So if you haven't seen it yet, be sure to take this podcast and Put it in the baggage compartment, and uh, until you have seen that that story, that episode, and then um, and then feel free to um um to to you know rewatch this, re-, re listen to it, or listen to it for the first time. All right. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm I'm going to I'll get back maybe next week. Um, we do have other feedback that we're going to you know because we we're going to return to it, some studio shows and get to the to the um the feedback. I, I think this might have been an, an email, maybe about white lightning as well, or or pops alkapops.
4: What's <laughs> blue box, Bill? Because he's a good one for sending you in feedback.
0: It might have been him. I just, I sh- there's just if there's too much right now for me to to go through all this now during the live show. Um, but see, I, I knew I was
4: forgetting something. Yeah, I'll have to buy you some psychic paper for Christmas. You know. Yeah, I'll be at the mystery shopper. Or-
0: All right. Well, I'll I'll get back to We'll we'll get back to this. I'm not going to waste more time on this. So, um, let me, quit mail there. Yeah, emails become such a chore. I mean, it's been this way for, for some time now. But I mean, I, I'm not not. not uh, please email us. I'm not. I wasn't complaining about that. It's just all the other stuff that comes in with emails. So, um, you know, you, you get on one mailing list and the other, and then you got your. Well, you know, I, I I don't need to. Everyone else has their own problems with emails. I don't need to go on about
4: it. You haven't been sent any. You haven't been sent any free train tickets to the Orient Express, have you? No, no, I should have, but I didn't. Okay, so
0: <laughs> Dave has. Um, if you're in on chat, Dave has put the URL to the um, Wikipedia page for this episode. So, okay, the Orient Express. Mur- not murder <laughs> but mummy on the mur- on the Orient express is uh, the latest episode that we are reviewing now it 's um, obviously it went out yesterday the eleventh of october and it 's uh, written by Jamie Matheson and directed once again by paul um, Willinghurst, who's uh did i think this is his third outing this series uh, he 's done some other ta to episodes before this year, but it was scattered about you know he did um you know, uh, 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 you know. when I say scattered about, I mean, years, a couple of years apart from each other. So, um, but for this series of, uh, and Doctor Who, that, uh, they seem to be using, like, a set of three or four directors that they're using, in, you know, throughout the series. You know, one here, one there, one there. So each one has, like, a, a set of episodes that they're doing, which I guess in a way is good because it keeps... Um, the same flavor and continuity um, style um, prevalent through the whole series. And I have to say that, um, you know, once again, I think everyone, um, all the the actors involved, mainly we have um, Frank Skinner, we have David Bamber, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. David Bamber, yeah. Um, John Sessions does the voice of Gus. Daisy Beaumont uh, plays Maisie. And... um, uh, Janet Hen- henfrey plays Mrs. Pitt who passes very early on in in the episode but I think what I'm getting at is oh and then there's this guest there's, guests, there's the, the 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 cameo guest singer who I never heard of until now foxes who did a great job doing a Queen song, which uh, I should also say that if you haven't had a chance to see it, I'm going to put it on our website. I haven't done it yet. There's a video. BBC put out a music video, though I have to warn you, there's some scenes uh, in it that may be, I didn't think was spoilery, but if you're really sensitive to not seeing anything from any future episode there, there may be a, a clip here and there of an episode that has yet to be you know, to be broadcast. Um, but it's, it's worth checking out. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm going to put it on our website. I haven't had a chance to do it yet. It's um, a video that of the rendition of um, the Queen song that uh, that Foxes does in this episode, which, if you listen to the lyrics, is very fitting to um, what Clara is going through.
4: Yeah, it is brilliant. Yeah, there, there are apparently two videos uh, oh, are they? available, and um, um, if I get it, Ian's put a second one. On which is spoiler-free. His other suggestion was, but um, once you start the video... Oh. Oh, dear. Sorry, I, I was hearing the audio coming through okay, then. Okay, yeah, and um, I heard a
0: little bit, little bit of it. I didn't realize there were two versions of it. I Now I'm wondering which version yeah, I saw. I, I think I saw a couple of scenes yeah. that I, I hadn't seen before, so I think I might have seen the ones that, the, 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 you know, the... I don't know what you want to call it, the one that might have some spoilery stuff. I, did, I didn't see anything that I thought was spoilery, though. I mean, I just, like I said, there were a couple of scenes that were right. that were just new.
4: Right, right. Uh, well, I think the, the, the link that I put in the room is for the non-spoilery episode. Hopefully it is. Uh, it's about a minute shorter. Um, but uh, Ian's suggestion, obviously, was, if you, if you find you've got the BBC one, is just switch your monitor off and listen to the uh, audio of it. But, um, I must admit, I hadn't heard of this lady before. Um, oh, OK. Uh, it appeared to, me that it appear, appeared to me that she was singing, so I didn't, I didn't think it was an actress miming or anything, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I hadn't realised... Uh, I mean, she's a very young singer. She's only 25. Uh, her proper name is Louisa Rose Allen um, from Southampton, England, uh, and she's always hit the music scene since 2011, which is still too recent for it to... <laughs> That's uh, yesterday, as far as I'm concerned. Know, like,
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> All the way back in 2011. Yeah, I remember that. Well, she, 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 well, she became an artist to watch in 2013 Music Awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Anyway, uh, absolutely brilliant. And it, it did lend a great atmosphere to the the, the approaches. Um, you know, the doctor is showing Clara into the main saloon, as it were, and, and it made it look a very sumptuous thing. It uh, gave me a very similar feeling, uh, well I'll mention it later when I, I get to talk a bit more, that, you know, like Voyage of the Dam, where where the 10th Doctor comes into the ballroom mm-hmm. uh, and he sneaks in and he's listening to the, just the ambience of the the event. So it, it, she really made it... it I think um, she was over-advertising in a way of maybe some people thinking she had a an acting part in this um, when she was indeed uh, you know, just the not just, but she was a a singer and didn't actually have any uh, other dialogue other than that but uh, I thought she was she looked brilliant and she sounded great Oh yeah, absolutely I I think she did a a great job and this goes to
0: the point I was just I was in the middle of making was I, I mean, kudos to everyone that was involved in the production of this episode, I think everyone did a a great job as far as like the set design and, um, really getting that art deco feel. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what the Orient Express actually looked like, but I, you know, according to, um, to what I've understand, they, they did a good job of designing it, um, the costuming and, and even the lighting was really spot on. I thought they did a great job on it. So, um, kudos to the production and, and the sound mixing again was, um, very good. Uh, if you have, uh, you know, five point one surround. Gus was the, the the shipboard computer was speaking behind you. And speaking of Gus, the the shipboard computer remind me a little of Eddie on uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I, I don't know if I'm alone in that, but I, I was. I, it it had echoes of Eddie, if you remember, on um, in, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the over friendly computer. Because well, he he was yeah, always he was always this Gus was always apologizing for like I'm I'm sorry this distressed you or you know he was always apologizing for like stuff he was doing so it just reminded me of Eddie I think his name was Eddie the, the shipboard computer on um uh, what was the the ship's name in Hitchhiker's the improbable drive the one ship.
4: with the improbable yeah uh, yes. improbable, yeah uh, Hopefully you will put that in text. But, yeah, I mean, again, I had another a little wobbly moment because it reminded me of the, uh, again, the Voyage of the Dam where you saw the mm-hmm. captain, you know, with the little uh, shiny teeth uh, picture on the wall and the captain's doing announcements. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm not sure whether Gus is a name or it's, um, you know, uh, initials um, yeah. G-U-S, whatever it, that it, might sound for. It might, might be something
0: like that, you know, but we just know it as Gus. Um, so, we see... Now, I, I, let's backtrack to last week again with the um, with the trailer for this episode, which, I, viewing that trailer at first, um, I haven't viewed it again since seeing the episode, but I didn't see Clara in it. Maybe Clara was in it, because I had said that Clara's not in next week's, but maybe she was in it, and I just didn't recognize her from the few seconds that might be on screen for the trailer, because she's she has short hair in this. She's, you know, she's dressed in the, um. You know, obviously, um, to fit into the um, the, the Orient Express. Um, yeah, a flapper. Yeah, flapper, like a flapper. The, the
4: 1910, 19, yeah. yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, her hair is different. And so maybe she was not it. And I didn't, it's just didn't recognize her when I saw that trailer. So, um, again, more clarification about what I said last week about this week. Um, but speaking of the trailer, the trailer does give away because you know I made mention that oh you know it's a train in space, and I was having flashbacks to you know a bus in space and all that. And uh, but it kind of ruins the reveal in this tw- in this uh, teaser that we ha- we start this story with you know with um, because if you're watching this without seeing that trailer, you would have no you would think they're on an ordinary train. And because the way it's shot, it doesn't give it away until the very end when the camera pulls out of the window and then you see that they're, they're, it's a train in space. And, it, you know, that that surprise is sort of ruined because we have already seen it in the trailer. But it's just one of those things. Yeah, I was doing that. So, yeah, I was a little wary going into this, you know, being that it was a train in space. And like I said, I was having flashbacks of flying buses and but I think overall, I, despite that all, I, I did enjoy this story, this episode. Um, I, again, I had to ignore some of the science or lack of science, you know, smoke and space and all that. Because um, again, it comes down to characters and story, and, and that's really what it, you know. I think you know essentially what Doctor Who comes it comes down to. And so uh, what did sort of surprise me, though, once again, was uh, because I had complained last week that, you know, it seems like every episode we start with Clara back home um, in school and then the doctor has to come and fetch her away. And it just become just, you know, you know, it would be easier just to start a story with Clara already aboard the TARDIS. And uh, so here we start. This is the one story that I thought for sure we're going to be starting back on Earth, you know, because we left when we last left the doctor and Clara. You know, she said, go off. You know, um, I I don't want to see you anymore. You know, that type of thing. So it was kind of surprising to see them, you know, together again. But then as the story unfolds, you see that there, Clara's talking about her feelings. And um, she's trying to work this, this whole thing out. And um, it's kind of funny because she's talking about her feelings. And the doctor's, um, st- you know, finally stops talking and stays quiet while she goes on. And then, you know, she's explaining... Um, and the Doctor seemingly just ignores her while she's explaining how she feels and everything. And then she, then the Doctor says, can I talk about the planets now? <laughs> I just thought it was a great moment. You know, it, it just seemed like a very, like, almost a childlike thing to say. Like, you know, you, you'll hush a child and say, you know, you know, can I just, you know, talk about the Muppets now or something like that? You know, you, start, you, know, you, you get serious and, you know, it just seems very... You know the doctor does act childish at times. What's the point of being an adult? What's the point of being grown up if you can't act childish sometimes, as he would say? So, n- not that he was really ignoring her, but I think it's just the way he operates, the way he he thinks, and all that. He's 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 more excited about talking about the planets that he had visited that maybe are no longer around anymore. So it seems that Clara is having second thoughts about departing. With her you know with with the doctor, you know their time together this was going to be the last hurrah and in a sense, for most part of this episode or a good portion of it, they are separated because she becomes trapped in this other car and um on the train and and they are separated for um, for for a good portion of this episode and um and and once again, we see th- um, Clara 's kind of scolding the doctor for doing the same thing that she 's doing, you know um, not being completely honest and upfront and um, and and, and we 've seen this before It seems like it should be like an ongoing thing in this series where uh, she criticizes the doctor for one thing and then we see she 's doing the exact same thing with someone else most in most cases like with Danny Pink. You know, because here she's on the phone with Danny Pink saying, oh, yeah, mission accomplished, everything's going exactly as planned and all that, and really that's not the case. And, and, you know, and the Doctor's not being completely upfront and honest with her as the story unfolds either. So, you know, and she's upset with the Doctor for, for doing that way and behaving that way, yet she's kind of doing the same thing, only with other people.
4: Well... Uh, th- that is true, but i don 't think it happens in that order it? Uh, there's, there's actually uh, i mean it 's the scene on the beach where the doctor explains some of the, some of his actions to her satisfaction mm-hmm. that when it comes to the point where she was executing the plan that she 'd already presumably agreed with Danny that um you know this, this you know this was a farewell i 'm leaving me ex sort of thing um uh, it, and that discussion that they have near the end. But, I mean, there's an awful lot to test uh, well before that. I do think it, was, it worked well that the, the Doctor and the Companion were, were separated. Uh, maybe some people were going to think that this was going to be a doctor light or a companion light episode, um, but it was nice to see them th- them separated in some way. And also it gave Clara a chance to have in, insights in as much as that when... Uh, w- when she 's helping the young girl that the, the it 's her grandmother that the, that dies at the youlogy she called her a mother and I thought that uh, elderly actress by the way did a very convincing mm-hmm. scene right at the beginning I oh, know yeah. we, we we skipped that in, in the initial intro the The reason for that is that um there are about four four scenes where the mummy uh, comes into it, so um it was more i thought more important to set the scene of where they were in that initial uh, clip. But um, this this uh, young girl that um, that uh, Mrs. Pitt was the... but Maisie it was, the young girl Maisie, um, although she seems distracted and overwrought and wants to go and, uh, you know, go and view the body and so on, uh, the fact that her and Clara then get isolated means that um, she can, for us, are uh, for Clara, um, sense what Clara doesn't even admit to herself because Clara's basically saying, oh, no, no, me and the Doctor have already slipped. It's already a rift between us. And yet she senses that there isn't a rift. Uh, Danny, at the end of last week's episode, had said, you know, you, you can't be angry with somebody you've already decided to leave. The very fact that you're um, angry means you're still invested in, um, in that sense. Uh, we even get reference to that right at the end where Clara says to the Doctor, you know, uh, not, not, not at the end. Sorry, near the beginning, where they're at the bar, the scene that you were talking about, where the doctor wants to say about the planet, she, she's saying there, quoting somebody, saying, you, know, um, you know, you can't be you know, if you're jealous of somebody, then it shows you're still invested. So she's thinking that the doctor actually is being showing a nicer side to herself, but of course at this point she's lulled into this false insecurity that they are indeed on a. Um, you know, a non-threatening, non-violent. You know, this isn't the universe a beautiful place, and just experiencing it for that. And I totally agree with you that they they, they took away this this reveal, in a sense, from the spoilers that they were in space. Um, I mean, having said that, the scene at the beginning where we see the the, uh, the mummy, and very frightening it was portrayed to walking towards the old lady, it was only after she died that it zoomed back out of the windows, uh, and sh- I was expecting Tom Hanks to start narrating at that point where uh, we <laughs> had this train in space yeah. um, I thought it was a little bit too bendy the train, um, in as much as um, it, the train would snake along but of course the carriages themselves should be rigid Uh, It seemed a little bit fluid and snake-like, the way it was uh, doing, but of course it was in space, so maybe it didn't obey the same laws that we would expect. Uh, The black holes seemed to be spinning rather fast, Um, and of course you'd only see the black hole by the accretion disc around it, but um, even though it's spinning ever, ever more fast, it, it looked more like a whirlpool. So there's the science aspect that you thought might not have been realised. But I did think it was such a lavish set. The costume was great. Clara looked superb. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I thought for most of the time it, it was a wig she was wearing, but when I saw her on the beach at the end, it actually looked natural. Almost as though Clara thought, you know, I hate wearing this wig. Let's just cut my hair and, I, and, and I'll, I'll have it short. Well, I can't remember from seeing the trailer for next time whether it's her long hair is that short or not. <laughs> oh, it's like, right, well, she obviously had, had decided to um, make herself... Uh, you know, she put the wig on and par- parcel of uh, her outfit, which looked great, and the singer uh, Foxes looked brilliant as well. Uh, there was a slight dichotomy in the cast because there was some great casting, as you... Mentioned, we've got Frank Skinner, the comedian, uh, there. Who, um, which is actually, uh, I only just noticed when you mentioned the 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 writer, um, this Jamie Matheson, uh, uh, who is a first-time writer again. Uh, he's a former stand-up comedian, so um, I know Frank Skinner's has always wanted to be in Dot Who. Um, maybe they've got a connection. Uh, that brought his name into the suggested part here, and I thought he was adequate as the actor. Um, maybe throw through more British viewers out than maybe from other countries who, who will go and you know spot spot the uh, spot the you know the uh, personality as it were. But at least he wasn't um, like um, you know we've had some uh, comedians brought into Doctor Who, uh, uh, that dinosaurs are there, uh, on there uh, on a spaceship. The um, the the widow was it the widow the the doctor the widow and the wardrobe where we had different um, uh, comedy actors brought in uh, and maybe underutilized. Frank's really had quite a lot of uh, dialogue in this.
0: there was also the the larger what's his face from the larger who's now going to be hosting, taking over Craig Ferguson's talk show. Um, I can't think of his name offhand. The, the the he was in the larger, and then he was in another episode. Um, this, uh, oh
4: yes, yes the um, yes um, that kind.
0: <laughs> I'm drawing a blank
3: too. Yeah, uh,
4: uh, yeah, I, I'll think of that in a moment. But um, uh, the, usually they have been under um, Craig, isn't it? Cra- Craig, something, something, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. The character, okay, I'll moment. I think whatever,
0: but I didn't realize Frank Skinner, I didn't know yeah. about Frank. Did you see the Doctor Who extra for this week?
4: Yes, I, I watched uh, Oh, no, for this week, no, I haven't watched it yet. Okay, because they do talk
0: no. about Frank Skinner and that, and how he was advocating to for some time to come on Doctor Who, and um, they were just trying to find the right part for him, and um, and then. I don't know who, who it was I forgot who they were interviewing but someone on the Production team once they realized they had to cast Frank Skinner they Went back to the script and added some Little jokes here and there for him And I see I wasn't familiar with him So I, I didn't realize he was a comedian But I think he did a great job he was, He's a big Doctor Who fan and um there's a scene at the well again we already did the spoiler alert but there's a scene at the end where the doctor invites him to stay and he declines and he said how hard it was for him to do because he as a fan he wants to stay but so he had to um he had to, he asked the director if there's time could there be one take where he says yes and i was hoping they would show that take in Doctor Who extra, but they didn't because it would have been interesting interesting to see him um, spin it. Because that's how I would have done the same thing. I I would have just you know said yes, I'll stay, <laughs> even though, though yeah, even though the script Chip- even though the script says
4: otherwise. Yeah, it was James Corden that played James Corden. Uh, yes, that's him. the Craig out. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the other well-known uh, actor in the UK mm-hmm. certainly was the one that was playing the. Um, the main conductor, the um, the Captain Quell, should I say? Uh, that he was played by David Bamber. Um, he was, is well known for lots of dramatic acting here in the UK, and uh, born in Manchester, well near Manchester anyway. But uh, he was in the BBC adaptation of uh, Jane Austen's *Pride and Prejudice*, where he played um, um, the the cousin of the Bennett girls, Mister Collins. So he, he's an excellent actor. Yeah, he did a great job. Uh, he did a superb part in this. Yeah. Uh, so they all did that. So uh, all in all, it was lavish. But uh, as you see, um, it, uh, Clara was tested even more again because uh, we have the scene where uh, we have the two girls together. So we had this idea that um, she could say, oh, when you talk about that man, it talks as though you've not finished with him yet. But then uh, the doctor finds a way of actually connecting through, um, he uses the sonic screwdriver a couple of times luckily one time it doesn't work it mm-hmm. doesn't work with the lock but it does work converting the phone that he, he grabs from the side of the train and talking to uh, Clara which at great cost because uh, Gus doesn't like this and sacrifices um, the, you know, all the cooks at the, uh, in one of the compartments but um, he gets her to be his um, accomplished uh, accomplice, doesn't he? Because uh, Clara asks, can he save her? Uh, this maze and he says he can't. But there's no point in the dying there, where it can't do any good. Uh, and this is the theme that's gone all the way through. This idea from the, you know, the Dalek episode yes. where he throws I somebody, you know, a and tracker. we get this idea that this, uh, a, bit of a cold-hearted Dot here, impassionate passionate, uh, not just alien, but really. Um, cynical even in this one we 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 have the um the uh, the engineer when when uh, the captain dies you know uh, sorry not the captain dies the doctor the the, the one who's the expert on the, uh, uh, the yeah the the, 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 uh, myths, the, the foretold the, mm-hmm. this creature's called the foretold um you know we can't a minute somebody's just died here and the doctor says well we haven't got time so then you're thinking well is he just being expedient or is he just cold-hearted and clinical and Clara is just becoming round to the Doctor when he realises that not only does she have to become his accomplice but she finds out that the Doctor had received invitations to come on this train before and the Doctor knew there would be danger, well hopefully there would be danger in fact um, uh, this seems to drive a, wi- a wedge even further between them Yeah. which to me um uh, I'll say it again because I said it earlier today. Um, and I've referenced the um, Voyage of the Damned a couple of times now. Um, this was no Voyage of the Damned. This was the Voyage of the Damned Good Doctor, <laughs> which was my assessment of this. Because I, I really loved it. I thought it was excellent. And I love the way it um, it came down in the end. I love the scene on yeah. the beach at the end. Yeah, and, well... Um, I don't course... know whether we want to jump to that just yet. Yeah, well,
0: we'll, we'll get to that then. But uh, the way... The doctor explains, because you had' mentioned before, you know you were just saying how um, how maybe the doctor comes off cold, but he explains in the end that he would ha- you know he didn 't know if he was going to be able to save Maisie but um, but he would have if he couldn 't he then he would have gone to the next victim and the next one and the next one until he was able to figure out how to do it, you know so it wasn 't that he wasn 't trying but you know, he was just being honest, saying that he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to, and um, and he was just going to keep on going until he was, until he was able to defeat. You know, um,
4: yeah. And uh, over above that, he also said that if he told her, that might have affected the, the yeah. outcome because it was her despair that he was tapping into. Mm-hmm. If she had, you know, even more hope that he, she was definitely going to be saved. Um, so he was trying to stop Gus from. Uh, from 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 working out what he was going to do. All right, well, I'm
0: going to. I have my so, pa- finger on pa- another, you have another. Yeah, I have my finger on the button here, that I,
1: <laughs> So let me press it. You see, I happen to be Emil Moorhouse, Professor of Alien Mythology. I'm the Doctor. Pleased to meet you. So, the most interesting thing about the foretold. Go. Uh, well, it would have to be the time limit given before it kills you. I can't think of another myth where it's so specific. How does it go? Um. The number of evil twice over, they that bear the foretold stare, have 66 seconds to live. No, no, no. Nice trying, Very atmospheric. But that's nice not it. Try again. a well, cynical man might say that you're trying to plump me for information. <sighs> the myth of the foretold first appeared over 5,000 years ago. In some stories, there is a riddle or secret word that is supposed to make it stop. Some characters try to bargain with it. Or for riches... Confess sins, all to no avail. Well, you said in a little mythology. I know a lot. Because from time to time, it turns out to be true. What's that, what? What is that? But that's the great appeal, isn't it? Earth legends such a- Dry, dusty affairs are always fiction. But up here, in the stars, anything's possible. That's why I chose this field, to be honest. Hoping one day I might meet a real monster. (laughs) Isn't that everyone's dream? But you still haven't answered my riddle. What's the most interesting thing about the foretold? Well, you can't run from it, that's for sure. There are accounts of people trying, but it never works. No matter how far you run, it's always right there behind you.
0: So that's that's the person that you were talking about before, the expert, the myth on myth. Um yeah. and he was talking about the foretold. I-
4: which, if he sounded as though he was eating while he was you here and there, he was. He was eating jelly babies handed to him by the doctor. Yes, that was great. I, and,
0: um, I, I saw the doctor, you know, go in his pocket and pick out, you know, take out something that looked like, you know, like a cigarette case. Uh, and I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. maybe it's like an maybe it's like a, a an iPad Mini or something like that because I, I didn't know what it was because he he kept it in his hand for a little bit while he was talking, and then he opens it up. And they're not cigarettes in there, uh, but they're jelly babies, which was great to see. And yeah. and it was it was played yeah, down. Children. It was he he took the, um, he took a jelly baby, ate it. You know the um, Imer or Imer, what what the character's name what was the character's name again. Um, the 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 the, the um, mythology the, the 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 one that's an expert on myths. Anyway, um, uh, Christopher Villiers, the professor, yeah. Professor Morehouse. All right. So, yeah, I thought that was a nice touch. And I, th- I think they yeah, realised, uh, uh, yeah. the foretold, it they, they, they looked very convincing as a, as a mummy. I think they did a great job with, um, again, ha- kudos to the production staff, and, and I think they did a great job realising that.
4: Yeah. Uh, the, the, the couple of things, because although it was very well realised, it was also slightly out of focus around it, yes. which, again... Uh, Which I thought it, was deliberate. It by the face state. Yeah. yeah the face state. But, um, yeah, it was definitely a cigarette case because it had, like, those sort of elastic things yeah. that hold them in place. And apparently uh, somebody told us earlier today that um, it was actually Peter Capaldi's idea to present them uh, in that method, <laughs> uh, the, the, the jelly Davis. And the other thing I just noticed listening to... It's amazing how often you can listen to something and still pick yes. things up. When the doctor approaches him and said... Uh, What's the thing that's most distinctive about this? Go. I jump straight back to Vincent the Doctor and the 12th Doctor telling the art critic to, in 100 words, tell me what's so great about the painter. You know, Mm -hmm. so there were an awful lot of references to different doctors here, all the way back to the bubble wrap uh, and other different things that were mentioned So there's an awful lot of... I thought, by the way, when Peter Capaldi first arrived and we first see him coming out of the TARDIS, uh, he had um, uh, like a floppy bow tie on, which was very reminiscent of the first Doctor, you know, uh, sent by our or whatever it was, where it was almost like a Cowboys and Mavericks, you know, from the Old West, that sort Mm -hmm. of bow tie effect. So there was lots of little touches in here, uh, definitely one to be watched uh, was, uh, through a lot of uh, detail. So I was it's obvious say that. to me that uh, if this writer, this and and the other thing that is to note, um, that uh, Stephen Moffat doesn't have any writing credits on this one, where like last week it was a joint uh, mm-hmm. writing credit thing. So if these all these ideas are this writer that's put them in, that that, that does seem good and. That was pointed out by Darth and a few others earlier, and I'm not claiming that myself. But, um, yeah, um, I-, I thought it was a-, a really strong thing, and we had uh, some frightening scenes. Um, uh, we don't do the fear factor anymore, do we? But I think this would have had a, a high fear index. Um, and um, then we had that nice reveal, didn't we? Where, although we were still in the second reveal, not that we we're in space, but the. the-, the um, the way that Gus um, uh, took away all the um, well, I, I don't want to use a Star Trek reference, but you know the sort of um, uh, they were suddenly not in the uh, the the, the sh- they were in the the train, but it wasn't a, it wasn't the Orient Express anymore It was a lab. And we got that reveal. Mm-hmm. And then we found out why, as has been referenced by the captain, that they had an awful lot of doctors and professors on yeah. this particular trip, which was slightly undercut because they didn't... These actors didn't really have any dialogue to say, so they did look a little bit like spare parts. Mm-hmm. And then we have Clara and um, the Maisie finding the, um, some old records which showed that this Gus had attempted... Uh, this before. So we assume then that, that Gus uh, is either on the train but remotely operated and there's somebody, some other device, some other intelligence behind this whole sequence. Well that, that's um, what I, I assume
0: that, that Gus was just the if you lack of a better word, middleman that, that that Gus wasn't that that someone else's, some other intelligence, perhaps Missy, I don't know, was controlling what was going on that through Gus, um, the, the, you know, operating it. Right. Th- that's what my. I, but, but that's a question mark. That was just uh, because um, you know there, there's a certain point in the story where you know the doctor himself says that that there's some you know someone that's that's behind this all and um, you know. So I, I guess that's that's to come. But well, indeed. Well, the, I mean, there's Gus, but we—it's never revealed on who, you know, who's behind Gus, if there's anyone.
4: Well, well, no, no, it's not. But I mean, like this—that that, um, that uh, piece of manuscript, isn't it, that's hung up there? Oh, that, the that's flag. on the train. Uh, yeah, and um, uh, this train has been used a few times before because. Um, we have the, the point where, where, when the doctor eventually does use his genius, and in actual fact the only other clever person seems to be the engineer, who, yeah. who, who seems to have partly been studying this before. Of course he comes across as quite suspicious. To start with, the, uh, this Perkins—I mean, yeah. you know—he he seems to be welding. It's not exactly a, a wrench in his hands when he first meets the doctor, looking at the chair, this life support chair that the old lady had been yeah. in. Well, um, the stark and the lighting—they're uh, both suspicious of one another, it, it, it and then painted, they realise that the they're both was working like that. on the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, some people are, think, are thinking this is a little bit of a—you know—there's a slight Sherlock Holmes. Theme again to this. I, I sense mean, that obviously too. Obviously, Mummy on the yeah, Mummy on the Orient Express, murder on the Orient Express. Uh, again, that was a prior old story. I think not uh, Sherlock, but um, with Stephen Moffat in the chair, you've got to think yes. in those terms. Exactly.
0: Now, do we know? Does anyone know? I'm, I'm not. You know that. On, on knowing all mythologies. is the foretold an actual myth, or did they just make it up for this Doctor Who story? I mean, not that it, it, not that it
4: matters either way. I'm just curious if if it's an actual. Uh, I think they made it up, but I mean, obviously, um, it still gives a, a fourth Doctor vibe. I mean, with the jelly Babies coming out, you've you've got to think oh, of humans yeah. and Mars, haven't you in your head?
0: Yeah.
1: Hi, this is Graham Harper, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshot.
0: We'll be right back with our live review of Mummy on the Orient Express. But first, as always, I'd like to take a short break and remind everyone about Audible. Audible is the leading provider, the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from in all different genres. As you know, if you've been listening to this show... They have thrillers, business, romance, comedy, science fiction, and hundreds of Doctor Who titles. How great is that? Audible titles will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, more than 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you, listeners of Doctor Who Podchok, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. If you decide it's not for you, simply uh, cancel and you keep your free audiobook. It's yours to keep. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. That's A U D I B L E T R I A L.com slash And if you can't get to that URL now, if you're driving, you can't write it down, it's understandable. Go to our website, Podshock.net. You'll find links to it there. And as always, we like to make a recommendation on what you could choose. You don't have to choose it, but what you might choose for your free selection. And we try to somehow (laughs) make it related to what we're talking about in this episode of Doctor Who Podshock. So uh, we can talk about another Doctor Who story that had mummies in it well sort of you heard you heard uh Dave mention it right be, right before right before we went to this break pyramids of mars yes the mighty sutek for thousands of years had waited trapped in the heart of an egyptian pyramid and now um the doctor uh lands his TARDIS in the year 1911 the site where unit headquarters will be and um and, and it unfolds from there there they are um Egyptian mummies which are really robots but obviously from the shape of them you'll see that well actually you won't see that in the audiobook (laughs) but you can use your imagination you can see many things with the audiobook because your imagination is limitless there's half-possessed humans and there's the well why don't I stop talking about it and let Tom Baker tell you about it yes it's a story that's written by the novelization it's written by Terrence Dix's and it's narrated by Tom Baker. So this is Tom Baker filling you in on Tech and Doctor Who and the Pyramids of Mars.
5: Prologue. The legend of the Osiris. In a galaxy unimaginably distant from ours, on a planet called Festa Osiris, there arose a race so powerful that they became like gods. As well as mastering technology and science, the Osirians developed powers of pure thought, bending the physical world to their will by the strength of their minds alone. As they grew in power, so they grew in wisdom, all but one. His name was Sutek, and he was great among the Osirians. But greater still was his brother Horus, whom all Osirians called Leda. All but Sutek, who hated Horus, and was jealous of him. The Osirians spread throughout the galaxies of the cosmos. They ruled many worlds, and were often worshipped as gods. But Sutek stayed on Festa Osiris, their home planet, working to develop his powers, so that he might one day overthrow his brother Horus. The Osirians were a long-lived race, Sutek worked and studied for thousands of years until his powers were truly awe-inspiring. But his mind was full of jealousy and hatred, and in time, this turned to madness. Overmastered by his own fears, Sutek became convinced that not only the other Osirians, but all sentient life was his mortal enemy. Not just the more intelligent life-forms, but animals Reptiles, insects, plants. Sutek hated them all. He feared that someday, somewhere, there might evolve a life-form powerful enough to destroy him. An insane ambition formed in Sutek's twisted mind. He would reign through the galaxies and destroy all life until only he remained as unchallenged ruler. He became Sutek the Destroyer, and he began by destroying his own planet. Leaving the shattered desolation of Fester Osiris behind him, Sutek blazed a trail of havoc across the cosmos, wrecking and smashing world after world with his titanic powers. Soon, news of his madness reached fellow Osirians. Led by Horus, they began the search for Sutek, determined to destroy him.
0: Once again, that was Tom Baker narrating Doctor Who and the Pyramids of Mars. It's available through Audible. That could be your free selection if you like, or you could choose whatever you like. Once again, to get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash Again, that's audibletrial.com slash for your free audiobook. And now let's go back on board the Orient Express for a mummy of a different kind.
1: What if we say no, down tools, refuse to work? That is your choice, of course, but it would be very upsetting were you all to die at the hands of the foretold. So, hurry up before it kills you. But even if they agree to this, how are they supposed to study a creature that they can't even see? We don't even know what the species is. I can start the clock. Approximately 1.8 metres tall. Actually, seeing it in the flesh isn't nearly as rewarding as I thought it might be. Oh dear, hard cheese. What well, can you see? Details? Yes, yes, of course, of course. Uh, well, it just looks like um, a man in bandages. I... What oh, kind of bandages? Old, new? Oh, old, ragged? It's falling off from places. I don't know what you want me to tell you! Hey, listen, You can see this thing. We can't. Tell us what you can see. Even the smallest detail might help us save the next one. The next one? You mean you can't save me? Well, that is implied, isn't it? Yes, this is probably the end for you. But make it count! Details, please! Um, flesh. For some of it. 30, 30 to, seconds. Uh, leathery, ancient entry level. People preserve. Keep talking. Don't waste this chance. I want to bargain for my life. If you if you find the right word, if you make the right offer, then it lets you go. This is not a myth. This is real. Forget your superstition. Tell us what you can see. This is my life! My death! I'm gonna fight for it how I want. Oh, I give you. Ten seconds. So, I confess all my sins. I give you all my
4: Only, please, 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 please. Zero. And that poor demised man, uh, obviously there, pl- played by Christopher villas, um, he's actually been in Classic Who. He was in um, The King's Demons. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm not too sure what part he played. I'll just have to quickly look that up. But he was in The King's Demons. He played Hugh in The King's Demons.
0: Oh, all right. Well, it's been a while since I've seen it.
4: And the the voice of this (coughs) was uh, John Sessions, who's um, a British actor and comedian. uh, Done lots of stuff, like Whose Line Is It Anyway? Um, And. He's been in lots of the, UK stuff.
0: The um, name rings a bell, definitely, uh, for some reason.
4: Yeah, I think he's um, a friend of uh, Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie. He's, he's in that sort of group of, uh, you know, intellectual and um, comedians. Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, you had mentioned before that there were a lot of, um, you know, that there's, there's a point here in a, in a little while where it's revealed that. Um, that That some of the people on this train, you know um, some of the staff and um, are are not real you know, and they 're holograms that disappear, and the um, the doctor says that they 're hard light holograms, and I, the hard light holograms is right out of red dwarf. I thought that was an interesting
4: uh, oh yes, yes, Peri- our perigino, that, yeah, and <laughs> yes, because that that's um, in actual fact, the actual um, hard light thing looked... The the, the transporter mechanism inside the thing do we look very much like uh, the device they used in uh, Red Dwarf?
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. I, I thought yeah, where, know, yeah. There were know, nice nods there. Like I said, Eddie was reminding me of the shipboard computer on Hitchhiker's Guide, and and that was a, 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 no, no, another nod to another um, British science fiction staple. And um, yeah, I yeah. just thought there were a lot of little interesting things in here. You know, obviously you have the the, the mummy, and um, well, I guess we'll we'll get to that in, in a minute because that was my, the when it's finally revealed what the mummy is and all that. It was, I, I it wasn't as satisfying. I was hoping that, that it, the the explanation would be, um, I don't know. It just it, it left me wanting more. Or it just didn't satisfy well, me as far as, uh, but I think, we, I don't know if we're getting ahead of ourselves now.
4: Well, uh, the, uh, in the text chat, uh, Price putting uh, brain, thank you, has put um, uh, about the foretold, you were asking about that a few minutes ago. Yeah. And I thought it was a phonic play on the words foretold, for, oh. hold, as a soldier who holds the fort, huh. you know, last man standing. Hmm. You know, Steve is um <laughs> he
0: he's he's very clever. He, he he really comes up with this stuff that um that's that's great thinking there. Yeah, yeah.
4: Sounds very very very
0: good explanation that to me. Oh, let's um we got a few more clips oh i should remind people um there's no one in the queue right now but if you want to get yourself in the queue if you're listening live um you know obviously if you're on TalkShoe right now you can just um you know using the TalkShoe live pro client or that's what we prefer but you, uh, either way you can put yourself in the queue that way if you if you're listening um with, without being on the website somehow uh there's the, our the phone number is 724-444 7444 and the call ID is 23358 for the show and you can call um, while we're live obviously and the, um, it will ask you for the call ID number which again is 23358 and um, put star 8 to put yourself in the queue if you want to speak so um, again it's um, always interesting to hear your take and your opinions on this episode it's not just about Dave and I It's, uh, it's, um, your show, too.
2: Hello again. I'm Maisie. Good for you. We passed the TARDIS on the way here. Thought about getting inside, hiding, pulling the levers and hoping for the best. But we couldn't even get in. There was a force field around it.
1: It's probably Gus trying to block our escape route.
2: But how does he even know what it is? Because if he knows what it is, then he knows what you are.
1: Well, he has tried to entice me here before. Free tickets. Mysterious summons. even phoned the TARDIS one. you know you how difficult... You knew.
2: You knew this was no relaxing break. You knew this was dangerous.
1: I didn't know. I certainly hope.
2: this. You see, this. This is why I'm leaving you. This. Because you lied. You lied to me again. And now you've made me lie. You've made me your... accomplice. What? Sorry. Uh, when did you lie? Clara? Maisie, I am... I am so sorry...
4: Do we start the clock? Not okay. Focus, focus, focus.
1: All of that is your grief, your trauma, your resentment. And now, it's mine. It's gone. No, that's no, not enough for me. Because now it thinks.
0: I knew. now he, the doctors redirected the foretold to come after him instead of her
4: yeah which really uh, does sway uh far again there um it's a real uh, roller coaster of arrived for her in some sense with the doctor here yeah
1: yeah oh and uh we got off the train Oh, well, the teleporter worked eventually. Beamed everyone into the TARDIS. No casualties, just a bevy of sleeping beauties. I tried hacking Gus from the TARDIS, find out who set this all up. I really didn't like that. Set off some fail-safe thing. Blew up the train. Blew up the train? Blew up the train. But we got away. I dropped everyone off at the nearest civilized planet, which happened to be here. And you seemed happy asleep, so I just left you.
2: So you saved everyone?
1: No, I just saved you, and I let everyone else suffocate. Uh
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, this is just my cover story.
2: So, when you lied to Maisie, when you made me lie to Maisie... I couldn't risk
1: us finding out my plan and stopping
2: me. So you were pretending to be heartless?
1: Would you like to think that about me? Would that make it easier? I didn't know... If I could save her, I couldn't save Quell, I couldn't save Morehouse, there was a good chance that she'd die too. At which point, I would have just moved on to the next, and the next, until I beat it. Sometimes the only choices you have are bad ones, but you still have to choose
0: sometimes the only choices you have are bad ones but you still have to choose i thought that whole scene was a nice moment there i, I think um you know I, I i'm glad they included that and you yeah. know so often some of these episodes end you know it gets resolved quickly and then it's over and you know well some we were we watching the next time clip for next week but this had a little epilogue here at the end which i thought was nice
4: yeah, I mean, I, I, I did enjoy this story. I loved it, and I thought this monster was quite frightening and very much served the mm-hmm. purpose. I thought the supporting cast was great. But uh, when all's said and done, we're still in this, what has been uh, for some people too long, but for many people a long gestation period of, you know, just who, uh, uh, what, what is the, the, this 12th Doctor about in terms of that? Now, I would argue, and... Um, It's been worthwhile because, I mean, this is not just the next generation of The Doctor, um, but, you know, with Matt Smith having come to terms that he had no more regenerations left, and then suddenly we're, we're getting... This doctor, with at least a whole new set of uh, regenerations, and even if you remember from last week's episode, yeah. Kill the Moon, when he's dancing about mm-hmm. and, and looking at the imbecile and testing the gravity, at the same time he's actually saying, uh, you better shoot them first. Um, with me, you might not have enough bullets, because I don't know how many times I've come back.
0: Yeah, he, could, could he, he, he said that you could keep on going on yeah. and generating, yeah. that there's, the, the limit is no longer, yeah. may no longer be applicable.
4: But he doesn't know. He's not saying that's yeah. the case. But, yeah, but the it's... point is here, to me, uh, we have... It's almost as though when people have said, I mean, a lot of people said, well, I'm getting a lot of uh, uh, fourth Doctor about this. I'm getting a lot of second Doctor. Uh, he's very much like John Pertwee, isn't he? And oh, absolutely. Basically, he, he, he's, he's definitely much more of an amalgam of all that's gone before him. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I think that's why we've we've basically, you know uh, I've got to bring a quantum leap thing here he's got a bit of a swish cheese brain hasn't he in terms of what's happened to him Um, Clara has been an absolute brilliant foil now some people have thought and it's definitely an arguable point that Clara even though she's not now the impossible girl we've got a one only Clara that's Hopefully, we're not quite sure how much she remembers of that, those past lives, but we're basically getting, um, even though she's not the most important person in the the, the the, universe, she may have been the most important person in some of these ep- uh, episodes, much to the chagrin of some people thinking, well, the Doctor should be first and foremost the main character. But I think this is all this turmoil. You've had to have some very, very strong character there uh, driving the plot forward as the Doctor, maybe some people thinks a bit wishy-washy trying to find his feet but I think that's totally understandable given the fact that we are in this basically, uh, we're, we're hopefully launching Doctor Who for the next 10 years, 25 years I hope we're not going to go into some sort of, um, you know let's take Doctor Who off the air for a while because I think this has been a very carefully considered but maybe a long uh, bringing of the Doctor back into the fold of you know, right back to start, we're back at Coal Hill School, we've got a teacher in there, we've got somebody who, who has a second teacher who may become a companion that may be long overdue you mentioned it, you referred to it about you know, the Danny Pink character, we, we thought he may well have been on board by now but there's no point in him being on board if Clara was about to abandon the ship um, uh, so Hopefully she's on board for some time I know there's rumours about what's happening but for the moment as far as I'm concerned uh, this was a really a very important episode I loved the uh, I think there's one more scene that, mm-hmm. that you may want to play in a minute but this, where she you know thinks that the, the Doctor's lifestyle is addictive um, yes. uh, and he doesn't have to come to terms with it because he's got a life that can go on for thousands of years uh, so he doesn't have to make any immediate decisions. Even if, like the tenth doctor, you know you're going to overcome by this lethal radiation poisoning, um, he, he seems to take a hundred years on a farewell tour. You know, his it idea like of it. it's not dying. Yeah, it's not the doctor saying you've got six weeks to live. It's the doctor saying, well, you've only got six hundred years to live. You know, uh, um, where with Clara um, uh, and. She'd obviously made some sort of pact with Danny before going on this trip. Yeah, you know, I'm over him, I'm over him, he's my ex, this, that and the other. But when she actually comes to it, when she has that lovely conversation with Mitzi, who realised she's not finished with the Doctor, um, she has the the realisation that the Doctor put himself in harm's way by taking that girl's uh, thoughts and worries on board so that the... the um, the for uh, the foretold switch to him and luckily of course we have the scene where we're back to soldiers again aren't we? The doctor uh, talks him down basically. We heard the professor say that it might be a key word and the doctor said, No, that's bit a legend. But the key the key word well too good we surrender. In other words you can stand down, you know, your war, your campaign is over and um uh, it's at that point, the doctors doesn't so much defeat this uh, uh, threat, but, you know, gives it peace and a final resting place. Um, and then, of course, we find out that Gus Ben says, right, thank you for doing that. Your service is no longer needed. And then he's still got another problem to solve, which is to save the lives of those on board. And we get that lovely... We don't have to go through all that detail. We just see the, the, uh, the train exploding, and then that lovely scene on the beach, and then what, to me, is another lovely scene in the TARDIS console room.
0: Which I believe is um, this clip here.
4: Is it like...? Like what?
2: An addiction.
1: Well, you can't really tell if something's an addiction till you try and give it up.
2: Have.
1: Let me know how it goes.
2: Hey, Danny, how are
4: you? Yeah, fine. So is it done?
2: Yep. Mission accomplished. Listen, I can't talk now, but I'll see you soon, and um, I love you.
1: I love you too.
2: OK,
1: see you Is that Danny? What does he want?
2: He's fine with it.
1: Sorry. Uh... Danny,
2: he's fine with the idea of me and you knocking about. It was his idea that we stopped, but he's decided he doesn't mind and neither do I. What the hell with the last of Let's keep going.
1: <sighs> it's a big change of heart.
2: Yeah, they happen. Seriously, look, as long as you get me home safe and on time, everything is great. I am so sorry. I've had a wobble, it's a big wobble, but it's fine. Forget about it now. Shut up and give you some planets.
1: Well, I'm glad that you said that because you know that one that's made entirely of shrubs. Are you sure about this? Are
2: you? Have you ever been sure? Then what are you waiting for? Okay,
0: so, that's that's the scene you were referring to, in, um, right before I played it.
4: Yeah, and it was a lovely scene where uh, it reminded me of the fires of Pompeii, where um, Donna Noble character uh, he can't let the tenth Doctor, uh, you know, blow up the volcano on her own. So she puts her hands on the lever, mm-hmm. so they do it together. Yes. In other words, they're they're both on the same page. She gets what the Doctor's doing, and that's that is mirrored by by the end scene where they both flick the uh, the flight controls at the same time. Um, and, and so as far as I'm concerned, in this episode, the 12th Doctor and Clara are on the same page. The 12th Doctor, we're getting much more of an insight. And for me, you know, the adventures start from now. Not everybody may see that as where we're up to, but I certainly think that. And um, I'm not sure whether I give this a five out of five. I think I probably will by the time I get to do a commentary it's certainly four and a half out of five i'm not sure whether any of our listeners will put any ratings in the room for us to read out but um perhaps you want to sum up your thoughts lewis yeah if
0: anyone's uh in the chat you can you know put in your um out of you know out of five Tartars Groans what you would think what you would give this episode also on our site potchock.net we always uh run a poll there as well so um if you're listening to this um after the fact go to potshock.net Dot net and you could um participate in the poll there it's always interesting to see what people think of of, of you know each story um i like i said going into this i um I, 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 you know I, did, I didn't know what to expect um I was a little weary but i i really did enjoy this episode i think the the story and the characters are, are very strong i think the production value is very good the only negative to me really was uh um the explanation. I mean, I know they they kind of had to explain what was going on, but it just. I don't know. I, I felt something was lacking with the explanation about the about the mummy, about the foretold when it was finally revealed that it was a a soldier, and it just disappears, and the doctor has this tech in his hand, this old tech that that was keeping him alive or whatever, and going, but it just. No, that was the, that was the transporter. Okay, the transporter. It, but the. Um... Uh, that's yeah, that, that teleport or whatever that was, uh,
4: but teleport, I, that, yeah.
0: it just—I don't know. There was just something that wasn't satisfying for me. In that, I was expecting more. I was expecting a better explanation or just more of it. I don't know. It just—it—it it just seemed like that was quickly over with, and then um, you know, then we had to deal with Gus and what this was all about. Uh, 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 another thing I, I failed to make a comment about before, when you had mentioned that the doctor. Uh, did something to the phone so that they, he was able to talk to Clara on the phone. It's interesting, when when the doctor first talks to Clara on her, on her mobile, she couldn't get a word in edgewise. The doctor's going on and on and on. And finally she just bursts out, I'm trapped, because <laughs> she wouldn't let him in. <laughs> so I, I thought it was a, another little nice moment there with the, you know, just the characterization between the two there. Um, and and also because...
4: Yeah, he he thought he would less... Sorry. No, he no, thought go ahead. He would left her in a cabin, didn't he, did? Yeah. Uh, he thought he'd left her in the cabin because he'd gone to a cabin and then thought, no, she didn't want an adventure. She wanted the thing, so he'd left her sleep. So he thought he was talking to her basically still in bed, telling her to get up and, you know, it was breakfast which, time.
0: Which sort of, I mean, it, it, in a sense, it reminded me a little of, of a scene from um, Indiana Jones and, and the Temple of Doom when um, um, you know, where you had in, Indiana Jones and... Um, and, oh, um, uh, what's the character's name? Um, I, 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 I just had it in my head and then I lost it. Willie, Willie Scott, they, they, were, uh, um, they were going after each other and, and um, you know, t- talking, you know, whatever, and one was going to expect it to go into the other room. And, and it's, it's one of those things that um, it just had a little familiar feel to it where um, they both miss each other as they as they leave. I'm not saying that one's copying or it's even a nod or anything. It just reminded me a little bit of that from that movie. I'm not making any sense. I'm sorry. (laughs) But being that they were separated in this uh, story for some time, it's uh, because I know we had said that this might be a companion light story. And even though it wasn't a companion light story, because um, but I, I think they might have accomplished the same thing, where they—I I, I, this is just speculation—but they could have been shooting another episode back to back with this one, and that's why you know having them separated worked well um, because they could shoot you know scenes with Peter Capaldi and, and then shoot scenes with um, Jenna Coleman um, separated. You know, if, if they're doing you know two th- stories at the same time. Yeah,
4: I think it was a, I think it was a double bank one. I think yeah.
0: So we'll, we'll see. You know, in the next few stories, which
4: would, which would explain why Clara was wearing a wig as well. Because if if she was had it to have her hair different for the other one, mm-hmm. and this it would be the easiest option would be to have a, a wig. I remember watching uh, uh, Buffy once, uh, Sarah James, Sarah Michelle Gellar, and uh, for a couple of episodes in Buffy, about six episodes, she suddenly her hair looked different. I thought she dyed it or whatever, and she was wearing a wig because she'd had to have her hair done differently because she was appearing in um, another film, uh, the one with the dog. Um, uh-huh. uh, you know, the uh, Damn You Blasted Kids one, you know, the cartoon one. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Scooby-Doo, thank you, rice pudding brain. It's me and Lucy. have got the rice pudding brains, not you. <laughs> oh, rice pudding brains. Yeah, she was, she was in the Scooby-Doo film, so she had to have her hair dyed completely blonde for that. Uh, so it didn't look right in the Buffy. So she had to wear a wig in Buffy to make her hair look like it should look in Buffy. So maybe that was another clue. I mean, it it fitted well with her costume. Oh, yeah, yeah. um, I think you're right. And it it did mean that the Doctor had more powerful scenes without the companion in the room, Mm -hmm. which was good.
0: Uh, We also... um, This was a Missy-less episode, so there was no... No, um, Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Well, again, we don't know who might have been orchestrating the whole trip, you know, out, outside of Gus. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying it's how—I'm just saying it, it, who knows. It might be. I'm going to give it three and a half, a strong three and a half, but with the caveat that it may jump to four on, on, on future watchings. I, I said that there's a lot to like about it. Um, it it just—I um, I don't know. There was just something—and I'm— that it was missing, and I think it was maybe the explanation of of, of the mummy and the foretold and um, but you know they only have like well this one we're in about forty six almost forty seven minutes mm. uh, I know Wikipedia yeah. says forty five but on my running time it was like forty six and change um, so yeah. i but I, I think um maybe on another rewatch it might jump a half a tortoise grown to four, but I'm, right now i 'll give it three and a half tortoise groans.
4: Right, and then let me say, we've got a couple of ratings in the room. Uh, Jason Blue Eyes gives it, uh, a, a straight three out of five, and Prize Budding Brain, um, four out of five. Just for the Doctor having asked the foretold, are you my mummy?
0: <laughs> which is Hawkins back to uh, The Empty Child the Doctor Dances, which is a ninth Doctor story where um, that, that was an ongoing um, catchphrase, if you will.
4: And the... And- uh, and it was recapped again in, the, was it the Poison Sky one where he puts the gas mask over his
0: Oh, face. yes, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so uh, again, you can also st- um, send us feedback uh, by going to our website. You can, there's a little tab on the top there on par- net for feedback. You can call the pachak public call box at 206-337-4699. And that's not not just during the live show, but anytime. And you can give us your, your take on your feelings, your review of uh, Mummy on the Orient Express. Just keep it down to about three minutes or less, and we'll be very grateful and thankful for that. And we'll have that on a future show. So, next week we have um, another new episode and we'll be back here. This episode is called Flatline and he has a little taste of it here.
1: Oh, that can't be good. Something nearby is leeching all the external dimensions. Aliens. Possibly. Who am I getting? Probably. Whatever they are, they are experimenting, they are testing, they are are dissecting, trying to understand us, trying to understand three dimensions, life support failing.
0: So that's uh, a little taste of Flatline, and that's uh, next Saturday, and we'll be back next Sunday for another live show. And um, I want to thank everyone that, that sends feedback, not just through our traditional means, but also via social media. We, um, you know, uh, I, I appreciate those uh, tweets and um, comments and Facebook and whatever. Um, it, you know, it helps, uh, you know, we always enjoy feedback and dave uh thank you you can catch dave on the cultum collective every sunday as well at, on 2 p.m. they do a live show not uh, right now they're reviewing Doctor Who, but not um throughout the year they review other stuff and cover all things that have cult followings so hence hence the name cultum yeah collective so you can uh, catch them live and uh, or you could catch them on um iTunes or your favorite podcast client, and the same thing with, with Dr. Talk. but since you're already listening, we're assuming you already caught us, so... <laughs> <laughs> but, if somehow you listen to this episode and you 're not already subscribed, please subscribe this way you can uh, catch every episode and uh, also as uh, also um, speaking of subscribers, I also want to give a thanks to Pachak supporting subscribers they um, for a small feed every month. they really do make a difference and help us continue doing this show and um, keep us um, keep us going that way. keep the lights on <laughs> otherwise I'll be sitting in the dark doing this, and there might be mummies behind my shoulder.
4: Yeah, if the lights start flickering, it might mean a mummy's in this way.
0: Yes, or who turned off the lights? <laughs> All right, so um, I guess that's it then. Until next week, right? Indeed. All right, so cheers, everyone. Bye bye. <laughs> You have been listening to Dr. Who Podcast, presented to you by the fan run GallifernMC.org. Dr. Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Dr. Who Podcast is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Dr. Who Podcast theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the PodChalk Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrap.com for more information on this and other
1: podcasts. Sometimes the only choices you have are bad ones. But you still have to
3: choose.